And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are joined by Alex Schiffer from The Athletic. We will talk about Blake Griffin's debut, Nick Claxton's continual viewing, trade deadline discussions, oh boy. and Kyrie Irving not playing basketball currently for the Brooklyn Nets. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Hi. Greetings. I'm not going to... It can't... It's a polite... With the, you know. It's Alex, many, yeah, we have yeah. a guest today and you won't... Alex, every time I bring you up to Alex, Alex does the hello and yet you won't uh, give him a hello. I get nervous in a crowd. That's what I know. It, that's I know. I've been... I, I don't know what I did for that. Yeah. It's fair to not get it. Yeah. It's, it's out of respect, honestly. That's that's what it is. It's I mean, it's out of shame more than anything, which is a form of respect, the highest form. So okay. today we have Alex Schiffer. The, this uh, is like the time Matt Damon got on Jimmy Kimmel, except he didn't have to take the host hostage. It's kind of nice. Um, yeah, we, we, we've been to the wish. My bosses at the company demanded that Alex know. Uh, yeah. Alex is on. What is the story with all this between you guys? Is there is it just naturally filmed? Did you guys know each other or do you just naturally film? It's it's, it's manufactured beef. That's what I call it. E-drama. The perfect kind of E-drama. Kind of like Tyson's. Yeah. Right. We're we're hoping to to continually be at war with each other and it gets noticed and then... Yeah. You know, we become famous for hating each other. Celebrity boxing match. You know know what's hilarious, though, is that I've legitimately had people approach me like asking if if uh mike and i don't like each other like, <laughs> like um i forget what i forget what mike called me on twitter um yeah. um a no talent wasn't venom- hack? no it, wa- it wasn't venomous it was like um i can't remember what it was but someone texted me i, I can pull this up uh pretty quickly but he texted me he's like hey like what what's the, what's the deal with you two and i was like what what do you mean he's like i've never heard someone <laughs> talk about you like this like what did you do to him i was like oh like that's just how he rolls so <laughs> He does. Um, he has been rolling that way on Twitter in recent days, for sure, Mike. You've been you've been really stepping on landmines left and right here. And we'll talk yeah. about those landmines oh, okay. on today's show. Um, yeah, I mean, that. I'm I'm a hated person on Nets Twitter right now because I suggest mm. that Nick Claxton maybe could be an appealing trade piece, and uh, which we will talk about. Uh, no, but it is a joy to have you on, Alex. I appreciate you. We had Bruce Brown on last week, and now we have you. So it's we're just continually going up and up in the world. Uh, Bruce before. Brown's a uh, undersized center in the NBA. I'm an undersized center in in local pickup games. So we're kind of keeping right. that trend going. Nice. Um, yeah. So we have a lot to talk about. I mean, this is trade deadline week. So exciting. Uh, 
the Nets are sort of lurking in the background of the trade deadline discussions because they have Spencer Dinwiddie's contract to deploy at any moment. But we have to talk, we have to begin with Blake Griffin himself debuting as a Brooklyn Net. He debuted against the Wizards. Um, we'll just do sort of roundtable reactions. I'll start with Alex. I think you were in the building. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was. What did you make of Blake Griffin's debut as a Brooklyn Net? You, you know, I don't want to feed into all the people that were predicting him to dunk in his first game mm. and and show right. that, you know, the Detroit situation was was a huge part of the whole thing. But, I mean, he comes in. You know, I, I called a screen assist for for that Landry Shamit corner three. Then he meets Bradley Beal at the rim the following possession. And I'm thinking, like, hot hot damn. I mean, people were questionable uh, questioning him as a small ball center. He just blocked one of the NBA's best scorers on his first possession as as such. And uh, and then he got up for the first time since December 2019 as as his first basket. I you know it's a limited sample size. I mean Blake Griffin was on a minutes restriction. He only played 15 minutes, but like I don't know how you don't like what you saw. I mean he looked like he'd been with the Nets all season instead of just two weeks. You know I, I don't really think he took a bad shot. Um, you know and and Washington's kind of a weird team where they're they're not very good, but they've managed to hang with it. Washington and the Pistons have just played the Nets very well this year. It seems like, but. I, I thought all things considered, you couldn't help but like what you saw. Yeah, I mean, the dunk. I mean, a legendary, Ryan. a legendary con job. That's, I mean, that's what happened here. He he <laughs> so played rope a dope for a whole year, and 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 has now revealed himself. Yeah, no, I mean, like it's obviously incredibly small sample size, so not not a ton to be gained from it. But as far as those first receipts are concerned, like. You know, that's that's a rotation player. That's a guy that's creeping into DeAndre Jordan's minutes and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I mean, hard not to be excited about that to to the extent that you can. Yeah, I thought it was a failure, to be honest. I thought you did. he should have played you didn't like better it. on D. He did. Did you put that? Did you put that on Twitter? <laughs> Make sure to put that on Twitter. Did, did, right is after the, Nick Clax and trade tweet. <laughs> let, let me ask you, Brian, is the is the dunk. If you're a Pistons fan and you see that, how do you feel? Here's what I here's what it was generous of him to do was like it wasn't that hard of a dunk. So <laughs> there was at least some genuflection to, you know, the fact that he didn't dunk for a long time. Um so yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't he could have like really, you know, cocked back and made a giant to do about the whole thing, but he kind of daintily dunked it in. Just enough. Just enough. The right amount. My interpretation of the daintiness is that mm. He was almost in air. I mean, again, it is impressive. The guy hasn't dunked since 2019, I think was the <laughs> – and and uh, our boy, Bruce Brown, says that he assisted on the dunk, I think. That's what he says. He was the last person to assist on a Blake Griffin dunk. <laughs> um, I didn't look up the stats. I, like, I just trust Bruce implicitly yeah. now. I like Bruce that he's he advocates for himself. Bruce. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's important. Yeah. Self-promoter. Has, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, he has a lot of the Spencer Dinwood equality to him. He does. We, when we had so we had Dinwiddie on when he first got to the Nets, no one knew who he was. People were angry that Yogi Ferrell was off the team and Dinwiddie was on it, and we were just like we were randomly bringing up, you know, we did a game with him. Which Dragon Ball Z character would you be? And he was like, "I'm Vegeta," like right away. And we're like, "All right, Spencer, calm mm-hmm. down." Proved to be true. Bruce Brown was advocating for himself on the podcast as. Uh, a guy who could stop LeBron in yeah. the finals, essentially. But the Blake Griffin dunk, I think there was an element of it wasn't a true showmanship. It obviously wasn't Blake from the Clippers. 
there was a of a sense of like, ooh, I'm a little too far from the hoop right now while I'm in air. He does dunk it down. He said after the game, and Alex, you were in the presser where or the the Zoom presser, which is what mm-hmm. we're doing now. Um, Blake didn't want to look at the bench, right? He didn't want to try to like catch the eye of his teammates because he knew that it would. He was trying. To, he was a little bashful. Yeah, right? the the whole bench went nuts. Um, you had DeAndre Jordan like like um like that statue in South America, or whatever, with the arms stretched out. Brazil, um, yeah, yes, Brazil. That's right. Jesus? I haven't taken a geography. <laughs> you mean Jesus? <laughs> I haven't taken a geography course in a while. Um, um but uh, <laughs> but um. You know, we, he had we are he, gonna we are gonna do South American geography at the end of this pod. We'll we'll figure out a way to do that. Sounds we'll, we'll good. Um, but he he had his arms stretched out, you know, Claxton was going nuts, Bruce Brown was hopping up and down. Um you know, so he had a little bit of a smile and he even said he's like, you know, I knew it was gonna be a thing whenever I you know, it's kind of like getting a monkey off his back of like, you know, I knew I hadn't dunked in a while, I knew it was gonna be a big deal whenever I did again. And he, he he tried to avoid looking at the bench, but then he saw everybody up in the the look on DeAndre's face, and he, he couldn't help but but uh but crack up from it. I thought it was interesting. There was a little sense. I mean, I, he played 15 minutes, so what? On what the are dot, we gonna, yeah, like yeah. And I think was it just two shifts? Was it was it two essentially? Sh- yeah, yeah. He came in towards the end of the first quarter and and stayed on through the second. Um, and, and same thing with the third and the fourth. I actually think they pulled him a little early in the fourth just for the minute. Like he wouldn't have, they, they were, they were trying to keep the thing as close to 15 as they could. Cause he went to the scores table with like five left in the third. And I think he didn't end up checking in for like another full minute. They did another sub with him still there. And then same thing with him getting pulled out. It was kind of earlier than they pulled that the most of those guys off that unit. And, and so like, we're trying to do small sample size theater. We're trying to extrapolate those 15 minutes into what does it mean for the Nets throughout the entire run. But Blake at times was on the floor with Claxton. You know, he was on the floor with another big. So he's not playing small ball five exclusively. Maybe that'll change. But for now, that was the case. And also, there was a few possessions where the, the ball, not that it went through Blake, but Blake did have the ball in a position where he was kind of assessing the offense for a second. <laughs> and then he would pass it quickly. Um, and I thought that was interesting because that is what Blake could bring to a lot of teams. If it wasn't the Nets, I think like if he went to the Bucks or any other team, his playmaking would be the feature. For the Nets, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I don't like he doesn't really need to do that, <laughs> particularly if Harden's on the floor or Kyrie's on yeah. the floor. But it, they're going to be able to mix that in where like Blake can kind of playmake from the like the Jokic spot where Jokic typically playmakes. You know, I, I was looking at this before the game yesterday. Um, barely any Nets forwards and centers uh, not named Kevin Durant have had five assists in a game this season, the way that, you know, that that's about what Blake was averaging in, uh, in Detroit. I think, I think it might've been four for something for, for assists per game, but you know, um, again, that's not, that's not what they need him to do here, but that it, that does give them a different dynamic at that position than they've had all season. Right. I mean, Jeff Green's been terrific as a spot of three point shooter. You know, we're going to get more into Claxton later in the podcast, but um, he does give them a different look there on that front. And he had that one, I think I know what you're talking about, where uh, Washington switched everything. Uh, Beal winds up guarding Griffin in the post. And he does a little, you know, draws a double team, dumps it off to Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown dumps it right to Claxton for, you know, it was like a hockey assist. Yeah. So like that, that like he, they can move the ball differently with him out there. And 
and have some different looks. And as you said, is it going to be his calling card here? No, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And and with, I guess we'll get to this later too, but without Kyrie, these next three games, I'm kind of curious to see, do they try to run more offense through him just from the playmaking standpoint, not as much the scoring standpoint. And to that exact point too, I was actually interested to see Bruce Brown trying to look for his finish a little less last night for the, like for the first time in a long time. He was, <laughs> he was participating in the hockey assist as the guy who's doing the actual assist. Uh, which like I hadn't thought about like, oh, Bruce Brown needs to add some extra layers when, you know, teams start to actually, you know, plan out for what he does. And that's a that's a particularly good choice. If he's going to do something like the little wraparound passes, I feel like he can get a lot out of that. Yeah. And and Bruce Brown, like you're right, like teams are actually kind of preparing for him mm-hmm. a little bit now. It's 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 there's something there's a momentum. I mean, obviously, it's because he interviewed with us and teams like really, oh, who's this? He's put him he, on. He, we put him on. Yeah. He was on the glue guy. It's sort of like when James Fry's book was on Oprah's book club. It like really took off. <laughs> we're, right. we're basically the Oprah of basketball. I don't think I don't think anyone would disagree with that uh, yeah. remark. Um, but uh, there's a lot of interesting pieces. And, and I've talked about this before. And Alex, I'd like to get what you think about this. It's like there's a ton of talent on this team. It's ridiculous. That's obvious. Uh, but. Doesn't Steve Nash deserve credit for molding that talent and mixing that talent all together? You know, you could go to Whole Foods and get the same groceries as as Alex Gorn or Shelly. She's going to make a better dish than me, you know? Um, do you – how much credit does Steve Nash deserve for what's been happening with this team? For, for those that uh, took the prop bets for the glue guys episode today, I had the under on Alex Gorner uh, Kelly references, but, um, <laughs> but, um, um Alex Gorner Shelley, okay? Shelley, Gorner Shelley, whatever. I don't know who um, that is. Do I need to do I, who I don't know that? who that is yeah. either. Honestly, I'm, I'm more of an Emerald Lagasse, uh, <laughs> bam celebrity chef fan, but, um, <laughs> yeah. to, to answer your, bam. to answer your question, um, no, you know, I was really curious when he was non-committal before yesterday's game as to who Griffin was going to play alongside, I, I was really curious to see what those lineups look like because, as you said, you know, I mean, Clax has been playing too well to not to not still have time, and, and he gives them a different dynamic. Playing very well. Um, in, in yes. An intriguing level of wellness. Yes. Um, I know where you're going with that. Mm. <laughs> um, and as you kind of said, you know, I mean, they have, you know, they went from not really having a lot of front court options to having now a plethora. And and I think it was, you know, I've even wondered before with, with Clax's versatility – and whenever Durant's back, like, do we see them go super big and have DeAndre Durant and Clax in the lineup at, at some point if, if they need that much length, which I don't know if they would, but food for thought. So I, I thought it was good to see that, as you said, that Nash is finding ways to keep all these guys in the rotation. You know, I, I was really curious to see what the rotation looked like with Griffin in it. They played 10 guys in the first half yesterday. The only three that didn't see the court were TLC and the two two-way players, Chios and Perry. So... The, the next element of this, and I mean, it's, you know, Sham, it's out. We're going to talk about the road trip coming up. But um, what this looks like when they're fully healthy to me is, is going to be very interesting because you can make a case for playing 11 guys. That's not really how you would think it'd look in the playoffs and whatnot. But Tyler Johnson's giving them good minutes. They're, they're really getting a little bit of help from everywhere. So I, I do think Nash deserves credit for how he's found ways to get creative with these lineups and, and, and not only get these guys in the court at the same time, but have success. You know, Claxton... And Jeff Green have, have a ridiculous plus minus on the court together. I thought Blake and Nick looked great yesterday together too. So I I, I do think Steve Nash deserves some credit there. Let's do a fun game. Hmm. Power rank the bigs. Wow. Power ranking the <clears throat> Nets bigs in this very moment, not future potential, not 
you know, whatever they mean for the franchise. Just right now, if I had to choose a guy playing the five, Durant's out of the list. He doesn't Where, where count. are we counting Bruce Brown? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're counting, you can count Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Nick Claxton, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. Okay. Wow. So within Ooh. that mix, I mean, Bruce Brown is a little. The, it's hard. I know who's last, but I don't know who's first. The first. Tell me who's last. One. You tell me. I know who you, you want <laughs> I mean, to say. I, I mean, I'm going to say it. Well, this is kind of contextual, right? You know, because. Oh, don't here, here I go with my equivocating. Here I go. Ready? Ready don't for this? contextualize. Ready for this bullshit? So, yeah. Um, yeah, because like you bring in a DeAndre Jordan, a 10 year plus vet or whatever, who ostensibly should be, you know, your defensive anchor. Um, you've, you've hired him for that specific job and. That's sure. The one, that's the one thing. Yeah, right. And that's the one thing that you long for whenever he's whenever he's around. So that's sort of where I think it's like you know, is he the the worst in the rotation? I don't know. But like for what we actually want him to be doing, it's he's the most frustrating in my opinion. Sure. That's nice. That's, so that's, that's really nice so way to say that. Where he comes in fifth, but obviously like Nick Claxton's played like five games. He's not. You know, we don't know. He's, he's an unknown quantity, one. and he's probably number one. <laughs> number so one. it's 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 a yeah. It's hard to know. So again. It's Blake, Bruce Brown, wow. Jeff Green, DeAndre, and Nick Claxton. Alex Schiffer to you. Give me your give me your rankings. Give me. I, your- I agree with Brian's leadoff hitter and and Caboose. Mm. Um, <laughs> putting the next three is kind of tough because you, the the sample size with Blake is so small. I almost feel like he has to be fourth, right? I mean, like not even a knock on him, but like I mean, sure. you're going to you have a season's worth. Um, for almost all got everyone but Claxton and Blake, but you have more sample size of Nick counting from last year in the G League, if you even want to use that in the context of the Nets, than than Blake. So I would almost say Nick, Jeff, Bruce, because teams, as you said, teams are starting to get a book on him, and and his size. Oh, you know, he to me he already had a ceiling with that to begin with, given he's six four and and you know already being asked to do way more in that spot than most other guys. I mean, if he was doing this against Joel Embiid in the playoffs, then it's like, whoa, I, I take back everything I said and give me all the crow. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going Nick, Jeff Green, um, especially with, with the, you know, not even – I mean, Nick Claxton can shoot threes, but he hasn't hit them yet. Jeff Green's three-point shooting percentage this year is terrific, and, and the way he can help you as a floor spacer for sure. So I, I'd say Nick, Jeff, Bruce, Blake, DeAndre. Yeah, and, and to me – and like it is matchup specific, right? If we're like, if we're looking at, oh, if you're going to play the Sixers, they're going to play the Heat, they're going to play the Bucks, whoever it's going to, the Knicks, mm. whoever it's going to be. I still put Jeff Green number one. Um, I like what he does most. I like what he does mostly for me on the floor in a lot of different situations. He's not as switchy as I mean Claxton, and I'll get to this, but the the joy right now watching this team beyond like the excellence of Harden and Kyrie's ball handling and Joe Harris, like somehow just being wide open for three and you have such an excitement level for that ball about to be fired off and go in is Nick Claxton switching on to a guard. Like that is to me, like if, if I'm raking my joys, joy to the world, Nets world, uh, that's one of them, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but I still want Jeff green out there. I still want that reliable veteran presence, particularly in the playoffs. (laughs) I love Nick Claxton, but this this happens like rookies with athleticism. I know he's not a rookie, but young guys with athleticism pop and do. Can you rely on that 
in the playoffs against Giannis. And, let me let me pose this question for you. Mike. Please pose. Does it does it concern you like of those players? The overlap, the Venn diagram, there's not much, but if there is some, it's Jeff Green and Blake Griffin. Are you worried yeah. that there's going to be an eclipse of the, the sun? An eclipse of my heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there, there's going to be, mm-hmm. what, was the, what was the loot, what was the solar eclipse? What was the thing that, remember the thing that like the moon went in front of the sun? You're thinking of the movie Apocalypto? Is that oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I always think about Mel Gibson movies. <laughs> yeah. um, constantly. Your, your my favorite, yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I love his guy. politics, right? Yeah. Um, which is a joke. Uh, <laughs> I just want to clarify, Michael, that was a joke. Don't get canceled. Do don't, not get I happen to be Jewish. I don't love his politics. No. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, so you're right. There is like the Venn diagram ish. It's not the Olympic rings. It's the, the things, the, the rings are closing in on each other for Blake and Jeff and yeah. even like. I mean, I don't know what what orbit Bruce Brown is again. He's like that's his he's, own. He's, he's a, a Haley's comet. Yeah, he's a dwarf star. Um, yeah. But and even Nick Claxton, because as much as he is a five, like that, he's a modern day. What you hope he becomes is a modern day five. He still is like a relatively skinny guy who's not fully in shape, and so he's not full. I don't know. It's an interesting group, and Andre Drummond may get added to it. At some point, <laughs> my, my um, last thought, we talk about the the potential eclipse. Mm. I think if Blake Griffin starts knocking down threes mm. and that number gets closer to Jeff Green's percentage, I'm not again. I think Blake's at like 31 percent for the from three for the season right now. Jeff's over 40 percent. So that that would take a while to literally pun intended eclipse. Mm-hmm. But um, but <laughs> I, I think that that's where. Um, yeah, that was funny. That was really good. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I don't want to interrupt you, uh, but that was really good. Um, so uh, we can take a moment to pat myself on the back. It's okay. I'm never on. I never get this kind of praise. So um, we have to, we have lost time to catch up on there. But uh, no, I, I think it comes down to if Blake starts putting up numbers like Jeff Green and benefits from defenses the way Jeff Green has this year, especially when this team is fully healthy, that's when I think we start to head more in that direction because – to me, if, if Jeff Green keeps shooting threes at this rate, I mean, it, it's not going to be as much of a conversation. But again, if Blake Griffin can can flaunt that playmaking more and knock down some threes, well, then then I think that's where he starts to – then that's when we're really on a collision course there. Mm-hmm. And um, and we all got to buy glasses and, and beat the shortage yeah. that happened last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, is, by is the way, a, yeah, go oh, you go, Brian. No, no, you, no please. Man. A quick plug for YouTube. This is going to be on YouTube. This, the, this podcast, the video oh, of this wow. podcast will be on YouTube. So you'll get to see Alex – continually do hand gestures for the eclipse which really yeah. will add i mean the performance for the youtube you're doing it the best here so i almost feel like i have ymca today I did the jesus statue i've mm. done this yeah. like need the need the c and the a oh yeah. uh, what were you gonna say brian i don't know i forget yeah i don't know either yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can tell. well let's let's do this um oh i'll say one small thing and then i'm gonna toss to break i remember i remember oh please is it, yes. okay if I go? Is yeah. it a problem if the eclipse is that is, does it matter i mean and that's a great dovetail into what I would say, which is Jeff Green, while he's become a five for this team, is a four. You know, like he should be a four on most teams and can even play like your wing. You know, not that he's going to like offensively create plays, he's, but he's going to be he's a good enough shooter where if he was your three for some stretches, just that's fine. The, the Nets don't need it, but other teams could. So the good thing is like even though we're focusing on center, 
there is a nice mix of Jeff could play the four at times. Blake did, was playing the four last night, and Claxton was playing the five. Claxton, you really wouldn't want to put out there at the four um, because he's going to kind of like awkwardly be out there offensively. Um, but but again, like these are all guys that have versatility to them, particularly Bruce Brown. DeAndre and Nick, though, I think are right now pure pure fives, and you really wouldn't play them like to you wouldn't play those two together. No, that's at this point. Yeah, um, if I can make one more thought off yes. Brian's point about uh, is it a problem if they eclipse? I think it comes down to timing, right? I mean, if Blake Griffin gets settled quickly and the Nets maybe have a few weeks of runway before the playoffs to see them both, you know, maybe at at, at that same level. Maybe it's a more of a conversation because you can experiment a little more. I mean, if if Blake Griffin eclipses Jeff Green right as the playoffs start, are you really going to tinker with that mm. before the biggest postseason in franchise history? Right. I don't know. I, I feel like it comes down to how, you know, if they do eclipse, what's the collision course look like? Does it happen quick or is it like Man. a slow, you know? There's, there's, we should have like some like stargazer yeah. music. Yeah, this is a great. This is a great. Can yeah. I just add one more thing while we're <laughs> adding things on top of this? Layer it, layer this. Lasagna. I brought up Andre Drummond. If Andre Drummond becomes available and he joins the Nets, where does he slot into the? That's the final prophecy. He's the guy in the Apocalypto <laughs> Temple with the dagger above the heart of. <laughs> no, I don't know. I am very anti anti uh, anti Andre Drummond signing for the Nets because I don't really. Th- I think he's too similar to the Andre Jordan. We're talking about eclipses. I mean, they're both limited defensively, grab a bunch of rebounds, you know, are very athletic. I mean, De- uh, Andre Drummond is younger than uh than DeAndre, but outside of that, I think they're two I think they're two very similar guys. You know, I, I've taken some flack for this. I think JaVale McGee, I mean, at least he he can handle the ball for his, you know, a guy his size. And he's not a great three point shooter, doesn't really take a lot of them. But again, like he he's has a better track record there than DeAndre or Drummond. I, I feel like that they you know, I Reggie Theus was on his radio show a couple weeks ago, and he said that he feels like the Nets' problem right now is having too much of the same thing. They need to diversify yeah. those final roster spots. I feel like he's too similar to what they already have. I agree, and I would also say, like, if you're going to go for yet another big, I mean, the overlap there is is with DeAndre is considerable, but like, you know, in terms of the if we're going to do the Embiid stopper meme, at least there's something chaotic and and like in annoying at him like the Zaza Pachulia slash Robin Lopez mold of just like mm. can probably catch an elbow in your neck you know that kind of style of play I think gets you a little bit further against a guy like that well it's interesting we so the Wizards game was last night and Robin Lopez was signed to be the backup to Thomas Bryant but he was signed for seven million dollars which is a pretty hefty amount mm. for a backup center Thomas Bryant tears his ACL so Robin Lopez should be the starter but the Wizards brought in Alex Len who has become the guy to get the dominant minutes at center. And I had always liked the thought of, oh, maybe the Wizards are going to buy out Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez, like he would be in In my head, he's a better option defensively than Drummond. The thing is, Robin Lopez, if he's not getting minutes on the Wizards, he's probably done, well, right? I mean, he looks pretty good last night. I mean, I, does, think, like, I for, always think he looks good, yeah. but he doesn't get that many minutes for the Wizards comparatively to Alex Len. Who was just a guy out on the street? Yeah, he was just wandering <laughs> well, around Alex the Lynn streets not, of the NBA. Does not look good. His his body looks <laughs> like his mo- motion is not fluid. Um, but I was thinking, speaking of eclipses last night, I was like, is Robin Lopez the better Lopez brother, or like, will they? Is he trending in that direction? Is that eclipse happening? Like, um, I I would be intrigued 
Like, because what you just want, Alex, Brian and I have talked about this many times. You just want a big dude to kind of lean on Embiid, right? That's really, I mean, you just need someone who's willing to do that. And that's, never, that's a big ass. This archetype is the sack of potatoes. This is the sack of potato mold. The Jared Dudley. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and Jared's a little too small at this point. He's, he's positioning himself for the media career. So he's slimmed down. He's on the Lakers, obviously. So he's not, he's not coming to the Nets. You just kind of want a sack of potatoes to just push up against Embiid and bother him for 15 minutes a game. I think Drummond can do that. It's whether Drummond is willing to do that. And Embiid and Drummond have beef. Mm. I think, uh, and maybe this isn't a good thing, Embiid has always looked to embarrass Drummond in some way in their games. Um, and so is that a good thing? Is it, can you, can Nash deploy Drummond as a psychological weapon <laughs> against Embiid in some way? I wouldn't put it past Nash to think about it wow. in that way. Um, it's just very intriguing. We're going to learn a lot, you know, the trade deadlines this week, and then the buyouts usually happen. If no trade happens, they happen pretty quickly after that. Um, they just don't like, really have space for a center. They don't have a space on the roster anymore. I like the, the psychological, like, bent to this. Like, I'm just thinking about taking that to the furthest extreme, like just, you know, hiring, a like, a childhood bully to, like, be to play center <laughs> against them. Just go, go all in. You, you know what I realized we're missing? Um we were ranking the Nets big men, and we completely left off new addition Alizé Johnson, who uh, forget Alizé. Yeah, yeah. How? How did we? Ten ten day Alizé. Um, yeah, I, I like that rhyme. Thank you. Um, we I don't know if either of you are Harry Potter fans, but yes, there there is a I think it's in uh, the third book, the Defense Against the Dark Arts. There's there's a test in that class against some magical creature that turns into your fears, your biggest fear. And what is it called? A bugger. Yeah. <laughs> so in yeah. like, for some students, it was, a, it was a, it was a big spider and others. It would be like a violin because they were afraid to play the violin or something. Um, get that for him. That was, that was one of them. It was a violin. Someone was afraid to play the violin. There was like small goofy ones, yeah. you know, every, get, everyone get, had their over, own fears. get over it. Get over it. <laughs> this is like the Mori where she's afraid of like a jar of pickles. That's what yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, the Nets need that for Embiid. What what could be the what is Embiid's fear? You know what what is his biggest fear? I don't know. Um, that's what the Nets need in their roster. Solid so, take to get Solid a take. what? That's a, that's a great uh, Joel Embiid's booger. <laughs> if I'm pronouncing it right, I'm trying to put an accent on it. Yeah. How do you how do you spell it? Is it B U? Uh, I think it's B O G G. Hmm. Yes, E-U-A-R-T. I haven't read the books yeah. in a little bit, but um, but that's a tremendous, tremendous Thank you. reference. Mm. Like I, 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 paying compliments hurts my soul to you, but um, <laughs> but but you earn that. You earn that. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Coming back, we're talking about Nick Claxton, trade deadline, Spencer Dinwiddie. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Uh, welcome back, everyone. So I I stepped in it last night. I really stepped in it. Alex, you saw it coming. You immediately tweeted, just be prepared. Your mentions are going to be horrible. This like, was me last week. <laughs> in your um, defense, you you saw this coming as well. Let's be honest. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. I was excited about this. Yeah. Um, so I tweeted, I hate to say this, but I am bound by sports podcaster law to do so. Claxton is a very appealing trade piece. Um, pretty much everyone who tweeted at me said that you're a bad person. Yeah. Uh, that we are not listening to the podcast anymore. Unsubscribe. And, you're losing followers. Yeah. 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 So um, I stand by exactly what I said. Okay. Regardless of how we all emotionally feel about Nick Claxton, he is a very intriguing young player on a team that happens to be starring, you know, three of the best players in the NBA who has championship aspirations. So um, I'm not, I don't know if this is a discussion to be like, are the Nets going to trade Nick Claxton? Um, <laughs> so that, so you, you just wanted to put that part out there and like the logical next step of like, who would you trade for? You're like, no, no, no. I'm well, just saying people want him and he's good. Well, how if we could turn back the clock here, how about I, I I'm not trying to take over your podcast, Mike, but no, how please. about we start with this? If Nick Claxton, I think he's played like a 10, 11 games. If he was doing this going into the hardened trade, do you think he is still on this team? Take his numbers now and what he's done. And I'm going to check because that's why we have the internet. Um, yeah. If he's, I think he's, I've, I'm not entirely sure if he's played 12 games or, or is like one short, but the Nets were, he's played 11 games. So the Nets made the Harden trade 13 games in. If you are two games from the Harden trade that Wednesday before they played the Knicks, is Nick Claxton still a net if, if you take his current, more hand motions, if you take his current season and just slide that in the first 11 games of the season? Would you rather well, trade him to keep Jared Allen? I I am also well, I'm aware of Mike's conspiracy take on this, which I would what I want to kind of steal <laughs> is that he thinks he suspects that Sean Marks understood the value that he had in Nick Claxton <laughs> and and put him in a rat hole, wanted to hide Phantom him. Phantom injury, yeah. <laughs> he wanted to hide him uh, because he knew that if he was playing, that Houston would somebody would demand him in, as part of that trade. Which isn't the worst take. There's, <laughs> I've maybe heightened some of the more nefarious elements, but yeah. I think I should just, I'll admit, this is a weakness of my, I think I should get myself out of the injury take business because, well, my whole take last year yeah. was that Durant was going to come back and he didn't. Right. My yeah. take this year was that Durant's hamstring injury was phantom and they just didn't want to play in the All-Star game. And that's obviously 
not true because he's and, not. And now you're accusing Sean Marks of going Tanya Harding on Nick Claxton <laughs> yeah. and prevent him from getting traded. Uh, of inventing uh, tendinopathy in the in the knee, right? Is what he yeah. had. Yeah. No, no, no. But I. So I said this on the Daily Ding podcast with Andrew Schlecht, I think last week or two weeks ago. <clears throat> Nick Claxton, yes, would have been in the Houston Rockets trade. There is no question in my mind. If Nick Claxton had started the season healthy and played any amount of basketball, he would have been in that Clax- he would have been in the Harden trade. Because well, I mean, one, it's kind of like the Timothy Mozgov situation when the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony. It's like yeah, everyone likes to you know, make fun of the Knicks for how much they gave up. But really, if you're trying to get Carmelo Anthony, are you not like going to give up Timofey Mozgov? Is Mozgov the red line, right? The line in the sand. Um, for the for the Nets, same situation. If you're going to get James Harden, give up all the draft picks, everything, Levert, Torian Prince, Jared Allen. If the Rockets had said, also, we want Nick Claxton, what would Marks have said? No, like we're not getting James Harden because of Nick Claxton. No, he probably would have been like, oh, give us a second round pick or something, you know, make it a little, give us a little more juice our way. Um, Nick Claxton wouldn't be on the, on the nets. It's one of the, the happy sort of accidents, but I'll do sort of the other side of that. If Spencer Dinwiddie was healthy, right? How different would the Rockets trade have been? I think if Dinwiddie's healthy, I think there's also another alternate universe where maybe Jared Allen is still here, or you know, I don't think Karras would be here. But there, Spencer Dinwiddie has trade value, and he's not playing basketball, right? And we're going to assess that coming up. You know, if he was healthy, he would he would actually have real trade value right now yeah, for a lot I've, of teams. I've thought about this. I feel like if if Nick and Dinwiddie were both healthy. Torian Prince and Jared Allen were the two likelier of those guys to stay. Uh, Torian, I think, kind of speaks for himself. And then, I mean, you know, Jared going into restricted free agency, I think it would have depended on a team with with their cap situation. And, you know, what does it get matched? What can we offer him? Um, so I, I, I'm of the belief as well that if, if everyone is healthy on this team, um, it's Torian or Jared that are likely staying in Brooklyn and, and all the other good pieces are, are, are gone. Like they are right now. Yeah. I, and this isn't reporting. I didn't hear this from the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, but I heard it from an, another NBA reporter, which was essentially like Jared Allen was in the deal to get rid of Torian's contract. Torian's contract was the negative. Yeah. And Jared Allen was part of the deal because the Nets didn't have any more first round picks to really give up, to give up Torian in the deal. So Jared Allen becomes the piece. So if like Dinwiddie's healthy or Claxton had shown something, maybe the Nets could have hung on to uh, Jared Allen. But also like as great as Jared Allen is and as wealthy as Josiah is, the Nets can't pay anyone else. Like, yeah. And that's also – and let, let's bring up Spencer Dinwiddie um, because a lot of the discussion around Dinwiddie's contract now because there's – Shams has reported this like crazy. Dinwiddie's going to opt out at the end of his deal, uh, which is opt out at the end of this season because he has a player option for next season. Dinwiddie, of course, is not healthy. He's rehabbing his knee. Um, the The idea of the Nets trading Dinwiddie's contract for a player who actually can play basketball right now is also based around the idea that the Nets do not want to pay Dinwiddie's next contract. Um I think that also is important for figuring out which players are going to be on this team if they trade Dinwiddie. Because if they don't want to pay Dinwiddie's next deal 
15, 20 million dollars per year, they probably don't want to bring back someone who is super expensive or has a really long-term contract. I wouldn't think. Um Alex, you've done a lot of good stories. I think you did one with Seth Partnow, you did one with John Hollinger. When you've brought up the Dinwiddie possibilities, what do they say and what do you think about what they the Nets could do at this trade deadline? Yeah, I, I think that this is one of the most unique things in the NBA that's honestly not really getting talked about that much. You know, I've texted every scout, agent, person I could think of that has an opinion worth my time. Um, and, you know, I've said, have you ever seen a situation where this you have a player that's injured all indications are he is going to free agency and, you know, you're, you're trading for him, uh, him essentially for the chance to either recruit him and get him under a long-term deal, or maybe you flip him to send him to another team for, for same reasons. And, and what does the market look like if that's the case? And, I, and as we just kind of talked about the Harden trade, you know, Dinwiddie's the only contract you can move now that, that nets you anything of significant return. And, Again, significant. What does that even mean? So I, I've gotten answers all over the board of, you know, it, it's a difficult thing to to gauge. You know, some of it's going to be, you know, does this, t- you know, where is Spencer Dinwiddie and this team in terms of how they feel about one another? You know, would, would they uh, do they want to sign Spencer Dinwiddie to an extension? Does he want to sign an extension there? You know, it, it seems like there's a lot of rotation players that that come up um, when it comes to who they could get back for him, but maybe not, um, maybe not guys that I could see being there for a while. You know, um, James Edwards, our Pistons writer, we did a, a mock trade of Mason Plumley and Wayne Ellington to uh, the Nets for Dinwiddie in a second round pick. I call that the reunion trade because Dinwiddie's going back to Detroit, the team that drafted him. Mason Plumley and uh, Wayne Ellington both were Nets briefly. I don't, you know, we were talking about ranking Nets big men. I don't really think Mason Plumley helps the. Uh, Mason Plumley is not Joel Embiid's buggered. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, so I don't really know what they get. And I mean, Wayne Ellington's a good veteran off the bench, but again, I don't really know if he he addresses a need. Um, he I think. The, I mean, it would. Be they already cool have shooting have off the him. bench with Shamit. Yeah, yeah. like. He's shooting like again, like he he's shooting. I think over forty percent from three, but they already have that with like a few other guys. So I don't know if that's it. Like, what does that trade look like? You know, some people have talked about them. You know, maybe flipping him to Orlando for Kem Birch. Um, I don't know. I, I think you know Kem Birch is an interesting one. He's a more mobile big. Uh, has a relationship with Steve Nash, the Canadian national team. Um, but. Again, you know, I don't know if Spencer Dimity would want to stay in Orlando, an organization that looks like they're about to be selling off everything and, and their mother. You know, Aaron Gordon wants out. Evan Fournier is coming up in trade talks. So that that's a weird fit to me. So I don't know if there's a natural. Hollinger proposed Doug McDermott uh, to the Nets for Dinwiddie, which is an interesting one. Again, more shooting off the bench. Landry Shamit's hurt. You know, he'd have an immediate need but um, or an immediate role for now. But I, I haven't heard a deal where, you know, if I were Sean Marks, I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's tough. What, and that, that to me makes it interesting at the same time. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I agree. And like every time people bring this up, they're like, yeah, don't be dumb. And you know, with this tiny window, you have to, you know, load up as much as you possibly can uh, to win. But I have yet to hear of like a name that kind of like makes me excited beyond Spencer Dinwiddie. And if he does come back and he does play in the playoffs and that is like part of your deep bench rotation. I mean, again, this is best case scenario. I have no idea about what 
his Instagram is telling a, a very rosy pic- story. So um, if we're looking for pure on-court production for just a very short window of time, and then you, you know, like you were saying, the, no, none of these deals are very natural. Also, people have a whole bunch of like risk associated with the resign. All that's fair. You may not get a lot back. So I don't know. Is, is like the on-court short window best case scenario to have Spencer come back and play in the playoffs? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I so I two things on that. Um, I I talked to um, Seth Partnow is of the belief that there is no monetary value for Dinwiddie to come back in the playoffs. Like he's not going to make himself any more money, and if he gets hurt, he's screwed. Um, and and I also you know Spencer was been posting a lot on Instagram of his rehab, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I asked a, a trained licensed physical therapist. You know, I showed them the videos to kind of see what what this means and they essentially said that spencer dinwiddie's rehab is on pace like what he's doing looks impressive but you know that's everything he you'd expect him to be doing for someone that had is this far out from his surgery and all that so mm-hmm. i thought for a minute you know I, i'm just as stupid as everybody else sometimes where i'm like oh my god like he looks like in really good shape well it appears that he's he's right on track it doesn't appear like he's like having a marcus stroman type right. rehab where he's back in six months and and that's that so I think it would be right on the line for him coming back during the playoffs. And I mean, honestly, if I were Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, we all know his career arc, right? I mean, drafted by the Pistons after tearing his ACL at Colorado. Um, went to the G League. You know, the Nets kind of revitalized his career. I mean, this is his best and maybe only chance to get paid. I, I wouldn't screw that up. I think, but here's the thing. Spencer always, he's the balls on this guy. I was going to tell you, like he always bets on himself at every, like, you know, risks it all at every, at every moment. So I would, if, if it was anybody else, I would say that that's, that tracks, but I would say like Spencer's a, a kind of a unique individual in that he would, he may throw the dice on something like that. I don't know. A feeling. That's a feeling argument, but. Yeah. And if I'm Dinwiddie, I want to get, I do want to get traded because what will happen is like the curse of the bird rights for that team that gets him, whatever they give up to get Spencer Dinwiddie, they will feel more motivated to re-sign Dinwiddie because they gave up something for a guy who could leave and they could get, you know, it would, they wouldn't even get nothing. They would have had a negative because they gave up something to give up to get him. One team that's interesting to me is, and we've heard his name linked to this team many times, the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas kept being in rumors all offseason season about Dinwiddie, wanting Dinwiddie. Oh, they were very interested in Dinwiddie. And Dallas, I don't know where they are in the standings. I'm not looking at it right now. Their season is fine from what I w- roughly remember, and I'll look it up, but they're not they're not like this team that like knows that they're going to win an NBA championship right now this season. Everything is still focused on where can the, go- the team go with Luka. They're the eighth seed right now. They have 22 wins. They're in the mix of with the Spurs, the Maverick, the Mavericks, the Warriors, and then the Grizzlies are like right below, like a couple of games below that. So the Mavericks are looking at playing tournament, then meeting up with the Jazz or the Suns in the first round of the playoffs. Who they would you want dinner. back? If so, this is what could work. I don't love. I don't love Josh Richardson. I don't care about bigs anymore for the Nets. I don't think there's a big out there that makes a difference against Embiid or the Bucks or. Anthony Davis. I don't think that exists for the Nets anymore. That's any different from buyout Andre Drummond or what they have the Nets currently have. I just don't think that that guy's out there that they can get. So Josh Richardson is making roughly the same amount of money as Spencer Dinwiddie. 
He hasn't been that great this year. He's averaging like 12 points a game, but he's not shooting threes really that well anymore. Um, he's still he's known as a defense first guy, though his defense isn't as good as it used to be either. But he is, you know, a athletic six six wing who has had a history of playing pretty good defense from the wing spot. He's kind of guy that like you could add into the mix. They don't really have that guy. Like a wing defender. A wing defender. They have they have a lot of great ball handlers. They have fours and fives now in Blake and Claxton and Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. Um, they have the pure shooter and like Shamit and Joe Harris. And Joe Harris plays better defense than you know most believe. But they don't have that guy that like just like the guy they could throw on and try to get some decent like the Jeremy Grant type. They the, the auditioned Andre Roberson yeah, obviously right. and, and, and Shumpert. Amon Shumpert yeah at that position this year and that hasn't worked out. Um, so no, I, I, I go ahead. And, and I see from Dallas's point of view, it's like they're not doing anything this year. Like they're they're good. They're probably happy to make the playoffs, and they love putting Luca in a playoff situation and seeing what he can do. But Josh Richardson isn't going to change their trajectory dramatically, and they would probably love to have a guard like Dinwiddie next to next to Luca for the next four years. And for the Nets, it's like, all right, well we get we get a wing that's usable for sure. That we're not going to get in the buyout market. He's Richardson is better than any buyout wing that they could get, and Richardson's contract he has a player option at the end of this year too, so he could leave at the end of this season. And you know, I think if Sean Marks is going to be honest, he probably can't keep going to Josiah and saying, "Can you please give me more money?" You just the Nets are paying a lot of money for their guys. It can't keep paying more money for these guys. Yeah, um, I, th- I think some of my butt hurt also stems from like having to give D'Angelo Russell up for so little, and then having to do it again with another starting <laughs> quality uh, point guard. It's just like, uh, can we, like we're paying such high prices to get our for our buying purposes, and then when we're selling, it's like we get second round picks and stuff for yeah, our best players. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you, Alex? What do you think of Josh Richardson? You know, I I um I think it's a good. I think it'd be a good move, honestly. You know, I, I've i only met Josh once, but his college coach, Conzo Martin, I covered before covering the, the Nets. And, you know, the way he's kind of carved out his NBA career, it seems like he's, as you said, he's kind of built on defense first, but he can also score a little bit. I think he averaged 16, 17 points a game with Miami. Not that they need it, but, I mean, it's not like, you know, Andre Roberson and Amon Shumpert. I think the common thread between the two of them is that, they were signed for defense, but when you saw them shoot on offense, you were like, ooh. Mm. And um, and at least he's a guy where if he gets a look, an open look, you know, he, he's way more likely to make that than, than the, the previous two combined. So I don't think that's a bad move at all. And I, I think, you know, I think, you know, you look at the long-term potential with Spencer in Dallas. I mean, his his longtime girlfriend, speaking of the Robersons, obviously he's from San Antonio. They have a house there. I, I think, the you know, the more I think about it, the more I like that. Did they buy Popovich's house? Did they buy the the Jerusalem the one with the? I don't know if you no, following. No, I think they. No, I think the they Jerusalem bought... wine cellar. Have you have you been aware of what gorgeous gorgeous wine cellar? Yeah, yeah. reclaimed. They bought. The I think they bought a house in August, and the pop stuff started uh, early September, like right before Steve Nash was hired. So yeah, remember when Pop was going to be head coach? That was Mike. That was you. Yeah. you were the one. That was the pop smoke. All there propagating that myth yeah oh yeah no, that you know knows. i one of my favorite when i was doing those coaching profiles for the short time i took so much crap for it but like i thought it was such a ridiculous thing we were doing to begin with like i said like you know 
uh, coaching profile for Greg Popovich strengths. One of the greatest coaches of all time. Weakness like is getting old or whatever. Like it was, so, it was so tongue in cheek. Yeah, but like he's an um, old dude. Yeah. Um, I Diago Splitter posted on Instagram recently. Like Pop had given him a couple of wine bottles when the Nets were in San Antonio. I would love to get my hands on some pop wine. Mm. Pop wine. Um. Anyways, so. I'll ask this, but I don't even really have a great answer. I'll start with Alex. Percent chance the Nets do trade Dinwiddie. I, you know, I think it's possible they make a trade and it's small. But if they make the Dinwiddie, if they you, if they use the Dinwiddie contract, they're going to get someone who has a pretty good salary. What What do you think the chances are that they make a deal using Dinwiddie's salary? I'm going to say 90%. Wow. Wow. That's high. Do you, you know something, Alex? What do you know? What do you know? I, I just He's think, texting you know, with Sean Marks right yeah. now, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Go to the YouTube. You'll see Alex is texting someone as we're talking. And it's Sean. He's, it's, he showed the phone. No, he didn't show the phone. But I uh, I just think, you know, first off, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been hearing his name thrown out a lot for a while. He's their last good asset. They're all in on this season. We all know he's probably leaving for free agency. You don't want to lose him for nothing. I just think the writing is all over the wall. Stop writing on the walls, folks. No more. Who writes on the walls? Come on. Um, I mean, I was already going to come in at like. I was going to come in like 40%. I was wow, like, wow, really? 40? Yeah, yeah, I just. Yeah, um, yeah. that was a week. Well, what do you well, got? I was coming in at like 60, but, you know, Alex, obviously, like that sold me. So, you know. Go I'm, over him. I'm, <laughs> go 95. <laughs> go 90. I'm going to go 90.5. 90. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're going to price this right me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I, I will say one last thing before we go. I know we, we were led to believe the Nets were bereft of assets, which to deal and, and all that stuff. I don't know. I think if you put a trade package with Nick Claxton in it now, that becomes a real thing. Like Nick Claxton is making no money. He's already shown that he's ultra athletic. Has one more year of control. And, and so I think if you do like a, a combo I, I, of, of Claxon plus Dinwiddie kind of checks a few boxes there. I mean, it's this is again, this is sacrilege. I'm sorry, you know, I am flagellating myself as I do yeah. this, but it is the one if you're if you're looking to get something of true value back, you you uh, you know align Spencer, a complicated asset, with Nick Claxon, a uncomplicated great asset, and then you can go from there. I mean, I would even say if you put Shamit has rehab, Shamit is playing really well. If you put like, and I wouldn't want to do this, but you, if you're Sean Marks and you're desperate for one final piece, whoever that is, I don't know who that is. If you put Shamit, Nick Claxton, and then Dinwiddie contract together, if you're another, like if you're the Kings or if you're the Cavs or any other team that doesn't really have a shot at the playoffs and does have one good player, whoever that is, that's Shamit and Claxton is pretty nice and they're cheap and they're still young. Like, you know, give me, give me an example. The best player you can get with that package, Mike. And then, and then I'm with you hundred percent. They all have sold me on this. Nick if Claxton I don't want Harrison Barnes, but oh, if, if oh. I'm Harrison Barnes is linked to this, the Boston Celtics so much, but the Boston <laughs> trade packages are like, here, we'll put, fit him into our trade exception and we'll give you Aaron Neesmith. Well, you realize how him badly and Claxton are better than Neesmith. Sorry. We're going to get killed for, for wanting to train to Claxton for Harrison Barnes. People are going to kill you. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. I'm just saying 
Harrison Barnes, Larry Nance Jr., name those guys on bad teams. You, Nick Claxton and Shaman are better than whatever Boston wants to give people. It's better than whatever Miami wants to give people because Miami doesn't want to give up anything but precious, maybe. Maybe they want to give up their precious. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's... Well, the, the trade that I took flat for with, with our colleague Kelly Iko was um, Dinwiddie, Claxton... And I think a second for, uh, for PJ Tucker. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's worth trading for a 35 year old PJ Tucker, at least Josh Richardson is 27 to, to your earlier point. But, um, again, like some of the fans thought that like I cheated on them and it's, you know, my, my loyalties are not to them. It's, it's to the truth, but, um, but like, but you know, democracy dies in the darkness. I know what you're saying. If, um, if you are a, um, I love it. If you are, um, if you're a team like Houston, a young rebuilding team, I mean, wouldn't you want a, a Shamit or a Claxton more than anything else? Like to see what you have in them. And then who, you know, with, with all these draft, like, I agree. I don't think you can do a deal with a team like you just described that, you know, getting a veteran, a good piece from a losing team. That's probably going to rebuild and tank without giving up one or both of those guys, because that's exactly what they're looking for right now. I'm just, this is the end of the pod, and this is the worst thing to do in podcasting, which is to leave something like this at the end, but I will. I just looked up Chris Stapp's Porzingis' salary. The Nets have always loved Chris Stapp's. Before, when he was on the Knicks, the Nets were trying to trade for him, and Sean Marks, at least previously, had been known to love Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Chris Stapp is making $27 million this year. Dinwiddie's making like $12 million. So there's a big gap. You can't trade DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan's still uh, untradeable. Mm. I'm just saying, there's something. Well, there's something. Dinwiddie, Claxton, Shamit. There's some. There's something. I think that Prez, Zingus lose. Pick. Put Tyler Johnson. At least put everyone in there. You <laughs> yeah. can, can. That's it. it. That's the one that puts <laughs> it over the top. Into the yeah. deal. Timothy the Well Yeah. Fit them all in there. See if that gets you to Chris Stapps. And now Chris Stapps is the Embiid stopper. Nick Claxton for Chris Stapps is as at least it doesn't get you. Let me look at that. Let me see if I can see if I can do set that. on fire. Can, can so. I just say, would even if DeAndre Jordan was tradable, would Dallas really be the team to take him? They did that experiment, and I don't think they liked it very much. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. My case <laughs> yeah. in point. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna just as we talk. I'm just gonna look up to see. Oh, see, NBA trade says that. It, it basically is impossible. Like mm. the Nets would have to give up, would have to put DeAndre in the trade, and that's just not how. I I think I think that's an impossibility. I don't think that there's any way that the Nets could put DeAndre Jordan in a trade. Even though, just body language doctor over here, Bruce Brown told us on this on the pod that DeAndre and James James Harden they don't fight, but they constantly are talking and disagreeing over how defense should be played. You're uh, you're distorting this just so it's perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you do put DeAndre Jordan in the trade, yeah. it's a very easy trade to get done. So, Good. Well, um, and the Nets' win total decreases if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, this was great, Alex. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it'll be an exciting trade deadline. If uh, you want to read Alex's writing, just go on his Twitter, click on one of the stories that he posted, subscribe that way. New subscribers can join for a dollar a month. It's an amazing deal. Um, Thank you all for listening. Go to iTunes, subscribe.
And if you liked me at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, <laughs> lobby for me to return. <laughs> All right. Bye, Brian. Oh, bye. Oh, bye, everybody. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.